Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where you can also not feed us after midnight. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1984 Christmas horror comedy classic, Gremlins. Oh, guys, welcome back to Christmas Horror on Main Feed. Oh, guys, I, I just can't believe that of all the Christmas horror we're covering, this really is the closest thing to the actual genre. Like, I mean, well, come on, last last week's selection was very close. I know, but like, I just... Uh, Next week's hardly is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's, rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party this Christmas horror holiday season. Guys, please be checking out the Patreon this holiday season. Guys, it's long form. We're doing Lord of the Rings. All of it. Oh, my God. All 900 minutes of content or 700. I keep inflating the number, but... Yeah, and we're not doing it in parts, guys, so each post is, like, in excess of two hours. You're getting double your value this month. For $5. Just for $5, Tell a friend. It might be the best gift you give someone this holiday season so they can get through their long commutes. If we're the best gift they get all (laughs) holiday season. I mean, we're pretty great. Yeah, but... But, like... (laughs) I know some people would rather have a sous vide or like a massage chair. I just think if there are any naysayers out there, they're probably just like, they laugh too much. We do. They're very loud and obnoxious. (laughs) And proud. (laughs) We're obnoxious and we're proud. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're going to like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. They become clever. Mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. Our director this week is Joe Dante. Uh, please welcome him back. Oh. To Kicking and Streaming. Really? Yes. Um, 
Carrie, he directed Looney Tunes back in action. That's right. Which That's we right. covered earlier this year? Yes, I, it, yes, that was this that year. That was this year, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, he's also done Piranha, Small Soldiers, uh, Hawaii Five-O. Who could forget the timeless classic to Gremlins? Gremlins 2, the new batch. <laughs> With the hot Gremlin? From... S- what? <laughs> no, Greta the Gremlin? No, did you just use that word? <laughs> those, those words? <laughs> is there a female gremlin who is sexy in Gremlins 2? That's what Megan the Stallion was this year for Halloween. I'm fine with you being bisexual, but like... <laughs> Not towards gremlins. I, I, I also am, but like I... Hi, Joe. Um, guess who fucking wrote the film? Chris Columbus. My boyfriend, Chris Columbus. I have so many screenwriter, producer, and directorial boyfriends, don't I? You really do. I, and that's fine. I remember we should have them all over again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just as another at another mixer. And, and with my wife, Laura Linney. Yes. <laughs> have you called Laura lately? No, I haven't. I think she's doing okay. <laughs> we live separate lives, guys, but we love each other very much. <laughs> oh, Warner Brothers. This made. $210 million. It's not a Christmas movie at all. It, when was it released? Well, it is a Christmas movie, but like, it's a horror movie set at Christmas. We need a whole podcast for this debate. <laughs> it was released that summer, 1984. It was released in June. That's incredible to me. Like, I know. It's a Christmas movie. <laughs> like, It's not like Die Hard where it just happens to take place at Christmas. There, there are characters that you know, are modeled after famous Christmas characters and, like, conversations about Santa. Not to mention the product placement in this film. It's god tier. It's off the walls. <laughs> the film was a center of large merchandising campaigns and ops for black comedy balanced against a Christmas time setting. <laughs> Executive producer is, you guessed it, fucking Steven Spielberg. He actually makes a cameo at one point. He sure does, doesn't he? It's become one of those classic horror films, guys. (laughs) I remember this was something Dad used to rent from Blockbuster for us. And I can remember at that tender age it being ho-ho horrifying. (laughs) I didn't care for it when I was a child. I feel like this is the beginning of a lot of your sensory issues. This is, I wouldn't say the beginning, but like it didn't help. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It did not help at all. Think about all the things in this movie that are slimy. <laughs> Sorry, maybe don't. Uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> folks, you might have fucking guessed it, but we've got names. Portraying our protagonist, Billy Peltzer, we have Zach Galligan. This is his biggest thing. He's been in plenty of other things, like mostly on television and stuff like that, but he does have that TV actor kind of face. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> you know, he's somebody's boyfriend on everything, you know? Yeah. Portraying his gal Friday, Kate Berenger. We have Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates, and I know she'd hate me for mentioning this because she probably gets it all the time. Phoebe Cates is probably most famous for that scene in Fast Times at Ridgemount High where she crawls out of the pool. Right. It's been referenced in Family Guy and countless other films and television shows. Not to mention Princess Caribou. Princess Caribou? And Drop Dead Fred. (laughs) Oh my God. And Kevin Klein's wife. Yeah, she is married to Kevin Klein. Who is 
17 years older than her. Oh. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. As Rand Peltzer, you fucking monster. <laughs> Billy's father. We have Hoyt Axton. What a name. Yeah, for real. He's actually a singer-songwriter. You're kidding me. He's not even, you know, he's not even mainly an actor. He's one of those guys that you see in a lot of older television shows. Like, I just saw him in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. And, you know, he just shows up everywhere. And he does have that, you know, avuncular dad sort of manner to him in his acting. So. He's the dad from The Black Stallion. Yep, exactly. From 1979. That was the next thing I was going to mention. Portraying old nasty bitch Ruby Deagle. <laughs> we have Polly Holiday. Please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming. You're kidding. She was with us when we did Mrs. Doubtfire. Her name's Grace. Or something. It's uh, the nosy neighbor lady. You and I probably know her best otherwise as uh, Rose's blind sister on The Golden Girls. She's, she's also the older Marva in The Parent Trap. <laughs> with, the, with the low hands, yes. Portraying Lynn Peltzer, Billy's mom, we have Frances Lee McCain, who has one of the best sequences in the entire film. <laughs> she does. <laughs> that kitchen fight is something else. She's in Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. That makes sense to me. We've got Judge Reinhold as Gerald Hopkins. Judge Reinhold is one of those actors that I'm just like, what is the appeal? Yeah, why is your name fucking Judge? <laughs> Well, that's not his fault. And his yeah, he's in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yep. Yeah. Beverly Hills Cop as well. And from those fucking Santa Claus movies. Yep. Guys, please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Corey Feldman as Pete Fontaine. Oh my God. This is the year before Goonies, which yeah. is what we covered on Main Feed with him in it. Man, puberty's a bitch. He looks like two completely different people in both of those movies. I know, I know. Stand by me. Friday the 13th, final chapter. Ooh. The Lost Boys. He's from the 80s, guys. <laughs> We've got Scott Brady as Sheriff Riley. We've got Jonathan Banks as Deputy Fry. Which, that's great for you Breaking Bad fans. <laughs> Portraying Mr. Wing, we have K.A. Luke. He's a Chinese-American actor. I think he got a raw fucking deal in this movie. Uh, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. We've got Glenn Turman as Mr. Hansen. He's the teacher. Yeah, the science teacher. He was in the original production of A Raisin in the Sun on Broadway. Hey! From 1959. Wow! As a 12-year-old. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Yikes. Isn't that insane? Broadway at 12. Not to mention he's Clarence Royce from The Wire. Yeah. On HBO. Before we mention a couple of our voiceover actors here, I just want to mention Mushroom the Dog is playing Barney. Aw. <laughs> I love that dog. I hate that he's definitely dead. Stop! Sorry! Ross, talk about our voice actors, because I learned something today. Portraying the voice of Gizmo, I love him. I know. Would die for Gizmo. What the fuck? It's Howie Mandel. Like, the judge from America's Got Talent, Howie Mandel. Is, th is this how he got his start? It might be. I know that he was a comedian. He's famous for that bullshit where he puts the rubber glove on his head. I never really have understood why he's a judge on America's Got Talent. <laughs> I don't understand why a number of people who have been judges on that show are there. If but... you were to put his name in front of my face and go, what is his, what is his specific talent? <laughs> you don't know that you would know? No. Um, uh, portraying the voice of Stripe, that evil gremlin. <laughs> 
We have Frank Welker. Please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming. He was with us when we covered Cats Don't Dance and when we covered the page master basically anything with animal noises in it he's, yes. he's great at those he, he is great at those and a couple of uncredited voice actors that we've had bef- with us before uh, just doing gremlin noises uh bob bergen you know porky pig Ooh. peter cullen he's the voice of eeyore and optimus prime what the fuck <laughs> and jim cummings yeah <laughs> he's all the winnie the poos yeah he's tigger and winnie the Pooh. All right, let's get started. Must we? Yes, we must. Fine. <laughs> hey, this is this is going to be fun, okay? This movie's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> so, just before we dive in, I think this is important to start with because I actually had forgotten that this was a pre-existing term uh, when I started this movie. The term gremlin was popularized by Roald Dahl, actually. Really? Yeah, because, you know, he's famous for dark humor in children's stories. Uh, He wrote a story called Gremlin Lore about fictitious, mischievous elves that were said to cause malfunctions in, like, planes in World War II. Like, Like, they commissioned a movie for Walt Disney to make this, and it just never happened. Huh. <laughs> I can't think to myself why that would be unpopular from Disney, you know, who made all of those World War II cartoons. They didn't want to make one about Nazi elves? Oh, God. Oh, man. There it is again. You brought Nazis into it. I don't do that all the time. <laughs> Not all the time, but you do it pretty frequently. <laughs> Nazis 9-11 and JFK. So the opening narration to this movie is so hokey. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm sorry, this whole let me tell you a story bullshit. Because <laughs> at the end of this story, I'd be a kid sitting on the carpet in front of grandpa going, what? <laughs> yeah, because this is Rand, right? This is the dad. You can tell he wants to be in a film noir movie so bad. Friends, let me introduce myself. Peltzer's the name, Rand Peltzer. That's me there on the corner. I'm an inventor. And I have a story to tell. Yeah, I know. Who hadn't got a story? Well, nobody's got a story like this one. Nobody. Rand Peltzer, father, inventor, instigator. He is the reason all of this happened, right? He is. Because he's an inventor, but he's not a very good one. One of the best bits of comic relief in this movie is seeing all of his ridiculous inventions and how they are constantly making his family's life inconvenient. They do get the characters out of a couple of jams. (laughs) They do. You know? They do. Just to name a few at the top, the orange juicer that spews pulp everywhere. That electric flyswatter that's like a drill. And, like, the one I've never noticed before is the artichoke-powered speaker. What the f- what, what do you even mean? I missed that one. It's on the table next to the coffee maker that won't work. Mmm. Rand is in Chinatown to shop around some of his inventions. Which one? Uh, I don't- oh, it's the, uh, the bathroom buddy. Which is basically just a Swiss army knife for toiletries. Mm -hmm. And this is where I want to talk about, once again, how much I hate the mystical Eastern stereotype character. This tired film trope where white people trigger an interesting series of events that would otherwise never have occurred for them by seeking out the advice, mentorship, or possession. 
possessions of that mystical Eastern person. Why people are just jealous that Eastern culture is twice as old as theirs. And, and more interesting. Therefore the origin of so many things that they have to steal from their lore. And like, there's plenty of examples of this. Uh, we've talked about Little Shop. We've talked about Kill Bill. Uh, Karate Kid is a big one. But there are many examples. Led by the proprietor's grandson off the street, Rand wanders into the shop of one Mr. Wing, or the grandfather as he's credited in this film, and this place is packed to the gills with all kinds of artifacts and items from the East, and for some reason Rand thinks he's going to be able to impress this man with the bathroom buddy. I'd like to get stupid high and hang out here. <laughs> you Really? You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Do you think Mr. Wing would just let us chill quietly in a corner? Only if we buy something first. Fine. As we should. Yeah. When Rand is describing the bathroom buddy and how it's going to revolutionize travel. Now let's just say for the sake of argument that you're on a bus or a plane or a train. You forgot to brush your teeth. You got yourself a bad case of dragon breath. Bad breath. I love how he tosses in that microaggression of dragon breath, and that little dragon on the desk makes a gong noise as if to say, cut that out! Yeah, no. <laughs> Stop that. Stop insulting me. And Mr. Wing has no reaction to any of this, because of course he's not impressed. He knows that Rand is already distracted by this little animal noise coming from a dark corner of the store. Rand is like, what is that thing? What is that thing? And he lifts up the blanket on this cage. And we can't see it, but this is a mogwai. Mogwai means devil or demon in Cantonese. Yeah. And, like, and if some dumb white man had known that. <laughs> maybe we wouldn't be here. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we can't see this thing, but it sounds cute. It's singing. What is it? Mogwai. What's he doing? Singing. He does that sometimes. But Wing will not sell the Mogwai to Rand because Mr. Wing already somehow knows that it will go very badly. And like old people often do, they refuse to share crucial information with young people, <laughs> and then young people do bad things. Because the grandson is gobsmacked that Grandpa will not take the $200 that Rand is offering for the Mogwai. That's a lot of fucking money in 1984. It is. And so grandson basically waits till grandpa has his back turned and brings the Mogwai box outside, gives it to Rand, and Rand hands over the money. And the grandson does tell him, dude, if you're going to do this, there are three very important rules. Mm -hmm. Number one. No bright light. Sunlight will literally kill this thing. Mm -hmm. Number two, do not get him wet. No wetness, please. I don't know. Somehow I feel like that one's the most important rule. Yes. But the most crucial rule is you never feed these things after midnight. But then again, doesn't give a cutoff point for when it can start to be fed again? I know. One of the things that Joe Dante said in an interview, I think, is like, it's so funny that that is a rule because it's always past midnight somewhere. Yeah, what? Yeah, what, what <laughs> like, what? No parking between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m.? Is that what this is? Yeah, pretty much. Where do we live? In Kingston Falls, USA. Sure. No state, 
but I feel like this is northern Illinois, like, or Michigan, somewhere in there. As my favorite Christmas song is playing, um... Oh, that Darlene something or other song. Darlene Love, put some respect on her name. And um, we're getting to see Kingston. You know, it's your run of the mill. I gotta stop using that so much. <laughs> it's your quintessential little American town, and it's got way too many corporations in it. <laughs> it's just that all I'm saying is the camera stays on the Burger King for a little too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We meet Rand's son, Billy. Hi, Billy. You're really cute. I'm a little unclear on Billy's age because... he's Well, the actor's 20 years old. Okay, fine. So... But, like, he feels like a high school student, but he also has a job at a bank. Like, he's a bank teller. Maybe he's a 14-year-old bank teller. I don't know. I'm kidding. No, he's not. But he's also an aspiring comic strip artist, which is very cool. And uh, he's got a mutt named Barney. Who's Barney. Uh, he's my favorite. He insists on taking Barney with him to the bank, like, and hiding him under the counter. That's a little unprofessional, Billy, but, like... (laughs) He's also got himself a little girlfriend named Kate. She's also a teller at the bank. But more importantly, she's a local activist. Okay. She is. Don't come for Kate right now. Sign this petition. Yeah, sure. What's it for? We're trying to have Dory's pub declared a landmark. Mrs. Deagle's trying to take his lease away. Is too, huh? Yeah, she says it's a dive, a public nuisance. That's what my dad proposed to my mom, you know. That's where everybody's dad proposed to their mom. Cross your teeth. She's currently in the middle of a petition campaign to have a local bar named Dory's declared a landmark so that Mrs. Deagle, who owns half the town, can't take the lease away from the owner. Do you smell that? What's that? It smells like shit. (laughs) And and sure. (laughs) I think it's Mrs. Deagle. Listen, I know the gremlins end up being the antagonists of the film, but Mrs. Deagle is the real villain. Mrs. Deagle is who you would get if you crossed Ebenezer Scrooge with Almira Gulch from The Wizard of Oz. That is, you're right. They are her parents. (laughs) Not only is she completely devoid of compassion or generosity or Christmas spirit, she also wants to have this young boy's dog put down. I will get you, my pretty. And And your your little little dog, dog too! (laughs) This is what's left of my imported Bavarian snowman. Your dog broke it this morning. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Just tell me how much I owe you. I'll be more than happy to... I don't want money. I want your dog. I'll take him to the kennel. They'll put him to sleep. It'll be quick and painless compared to what I could do to him. There's also this blight of Gerald in Billy's life. Gerald is like a senior executive at the bank who's always dogging on Billy for being poor and always swearing he's going to make his life hard once he becomes president of the bank. He's like 30 years old and is always... Like, preying on Kate, too. Kate, who is Billy's age. And I'm like, mm. Well, they appeared together in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So there had to be scenes with them together. I think it's a joke, but <laughs> I don't know. Dad's home that night from his business trip, and Billy and his mom receive him at the door. He's got that Mogwai box wrapped up, and of course Billy has to open it now, because it will not keep till Christmas. He really had to get a pet. 
Yeah. For his 20-year-old son. Like, I don't understand. They've already got a dog. Like, why did... I don't know. Maybe it's because he's... Maybe he feels bad about being, I don't know, not very present. Yeah. As a father. That could be it. Here, I'll make up for it with a demon. (laughs) So they sit down and Billy lifts the lid on that box. And the way Barney the dog growls. Dogs have such excellent instincts. Why are we not listening to the dogs? (laughs) We should be presenting every presidential candidate to a dog. I hope he's housebroken. Hmm. Oh, isn't it cute? Has it got a name, Dad? Yeah, Mogwai. What? Mogwai. I don't know, some Chinese word. I just call him Gizmo. He seems to like it. This Mogwai puppet is beyond adorable. I love him. I know. I know. He's so adorable, and the fact that he's completely practical just blows my mind. I love him. Apparently, there were there were a couple of these Mogwai puppets for when they were in this stage of development, right? And they were so cute that the production team literally had everybody pop their trunk at the end of the day of shooting to make sure no one had made off with one. I love him. I know. Okay, we got it. <laughs> Would die for Gizmo. And Gizmo is what inspired the design of the Furby. Remember Furby? I fucking knew it! I was gonna make this comment! Yeah. I knew they were Furby-esque! <laughs> I would have liked Furbies a lot more if they had actually looked like Gizmo. I didn't like them then! I don't like them now! Like, they made a they made an error giving Furbies beaks. That's all I'm saying. And the eyes? Yeah. The eyes that moved? Mm-mm, no. It, it's like... Five Nights at Freddy's shit! Like, I don't like it. Dad does fill them in on the rules. Number one, he hates bright lights. We know that. But you got to keep him out of the sunlight. Sunlight will kill him. Number two, keep him away from water. Don't give him any water to drink. And whatever you do, don't give him a bath. And probably the most important thing, don't ever feed him after midnight. That doesn't give Billy any pause. He doesn't have any follow-up questions. Like, why can't I get these things wet? Or why can't I feed them after midnight? So he just starts bonding with Gizmo. It's very dear. Getting him to match the pitches on that little keyboard with him. He he sings. Yeah. I love him. (laughs) Drink every time Ross says he loves Gizmo. I do. I love Gizmo. (laughs) And like patching him up when he falls in the trash can. He can talk. Yeah. Like, I don't think there was any actual dialogue written for Gizmo. Yeah, but he says little words. Howie Mandel's just throwing in improv English words. I cannot. I already forgot about Howie Mandel. (laughs) Yeah, it's Howie. That was 10 minutes ago. (laughs) And I've already forgotten about him. I just really can't believe that bald fuck is voicing Gizmo. He calls Barney Woof Woof. Yes, he does. Yeah. And every time Billy brings him into a room that's too bright, he freaks out and goes, Bright light! Bright light! Bright light! (laughs) Time to meet Pete Fontaine, who is the son of the owner of the local Christmas tree farm. Hey, Mikey! (laughs) Yeah, this is Corey Feldman. His dad makes him wear that stupid tree costume that's sure to get him assaulted by a group of high school kids. I mean, what are we supposed to do? He's a dumbass in a tree. What are we supposed to do? Let him be? Like. And Billy takes Pete upstairs to show him Gizmo. What's that? Yeah, I'll show you. This is my new pet. My dad gave it to me. 
Sneed, what's his name? His name's Gizmo. Giz? He's a mugwai. Cute. I just have to say, uh-huh. no one is adequately wigged about the Mogwai. Not a single person. I know it's the 80s, and I know they don't have the internet, and so therefore they can't research any animal they want at any given time. Part of me understands, but most of me doesn't. Because I mean, if I saw Gizmo... For the first time, I go, bro, what fucking phylum does this belong to? What is this? I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Sometimes I see animals I've never seen before on the internet, and I'm like, how did I not know that existed? Yeah. Billy puts Gizmo down on the desk so he'll sing for them, and Pete goes over to pick him up and hold him, and when he does... He knocks over a jar of Billy's paintbrushes with water in it, and it gets on Gizmo. It's horrifying. I know. Gizmo starts to writhe, and his fur starts bubbling. Wait, thanks a lot. Sorry. Who's in that jar? Nothing, just water. Why is it making that noise? And another ball of fur just jumps off of him and starts growing and growing. And I'm like, holy tribbles, Batman. (laughs) This is why you don't get it wet, because it multiplies. Mm -hmm. And now, including Gizmo, there are now six Mogwai, including an especially nasty bad seed called Stripe, thus named for the little mohawk of white hair on his adorable head. I know. All right. Stripe is, uh, Stripe's going to be a problem. And when he's showing his dad the extra mogwai, again, not McReady is Mr. Rand. Mm -hmm. Not ready at all. Because, like, he's looking at these six mogwai just wreaking havoc in his living room. Stripe is playing a Donkey Kong handheld and winning. Video games corrupt. (laughs) Stop. I'm telling you. (laughs) No. (laughs) And, like, Rand is already thinking about merchandising. You know what? What? I'll bet every kid in America would like to have one of these. Hmm. They might even replace the dog as the family pet. I've said it before, and I'm going to fucking say it again. At the end of the day, the real villain is capitalism. Okay. It's money. This is all about money for Rand. Yeah. I mean, his family's not doing well financially. I don't give a fuck. He destroyed a community. Okay. I Yeah, I know, because Billy makes the point that the other Mogwai are not like Gizmo. The other Mogwai are prone to mischief and, like, actually trying to start trouble, making messes. For instance, Billy wakes up in the middle of the night to find that Barney the dog has been strung up in the Christmas lights. Oh, woof woof. How did the Mogwai accomplish this? They're six inches tall, and Barney is, like, raised off the ground. They want to be the only pets. Oh, no. I mean, I I doubt that they give a fuck about Billy, but, like, (laughs) I... 
It's, it's pick me. It's like um, you know, it's like that movie Orphan, where the girl comes into the house and then thing bad things start happening to the kids. Mm-hmm. You know. But Billy doesn't immediately think to blame it on the Mogwai. He blames it on Mrs. Deagle. As he fucking should. She's fucking evil. I know. Hate her, by and, the way. And has already threatened his dog. Drink every time I say I love Gizmo and every time I say I hate Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> We're going to be plastered by the end of this. Billy takes Gizmo into the high school science teacher, Mr. Hansen, so that he can tell him more about it. Because, I mean, hey, you live in a small town? Unless there's a weird observatory on the edge of it, probably not a lot of scientists within spitting distance. He leaves the biggest mogwai with Hansen. Yeah, and the thing is, is that they put water on it again. They, they have not learned. They don't think it's that bad of a thing that it multiplies when you put water on it. If I was a science teacher, I'd be like, yeah, can you leave one of these with me? So I can run tests on it? I've never seen something like that happen before, so... <laughs> So on his way home from the school, Billy drops by the bar where Kate is volunteering her time as a waitress to walk her home. She's closing up. She's pushing out the bar flies. And uh, this is where we have Murray Futterman, right? Yeah. He remember earlier when he was like harassing Billy, trying to get his car started and telling him that foreign entities are ruining this country with their <laughs> horrible products. <laughs> And their immigration. He's so proud of the fact that he drives an American-made snowplow. Like, we get it. You're a xenophobic prick, right? He's like, I've had this snowplow for a generation. You know why it's never broken down? Because it's American-made. You gotta watch out for the foreigners because they plant gremlins in their machinery. That's the same gremlins brought down our planes in the big one. That's right. World War II. Good old... W-W-I-I. You know, they're still shipping them over here. And guys, this is the beginning of some cryptic nonsense with Kate, because on the way home, she starts talking about how much she hates the Christmas season because suicide rates are so high and everybody's depressed. And And no one quite knows the reason. Oh, stop. Sorry. (laughs) You lapsed into Dr. Seuss. I don't celebrate Christmas. What, are you Hindu or something? No, I just don't like to. Well, what's not to like? I mean, it's a lot of fun, no? God! Say you hate Washington's birthday or Thanksgiving and nobody cares, but say you hate Christmas and everybody makes you feel like you're a leper or something. And, like, listen, a lot of people get sad and angry around the holidays. That's not new. But the reason she gets sad is horrific, and we will get back to it, but this scarred me as a child. Mm. Just know that when we come to it. That night, the extra mogwais will not stop yapping for food. Play the noises they're making. I, I don't, it's awful. Hey, what is with you guys? How about shutting up for a change, okay? I already fed you. And Billy checks the clock, and it's not midnight yet. It's like I don't know, 20 minutes till, which I still think is too close. Let's not be playing it that close to the vest. Can I just say, I this also happens to me when I eat old chicken out of the fridge. <laughs> what? You become ravenous? No, I turn into a gremlin. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he goes downstairs, gets them a plate of drumsticks, and brings it back up, and they start inhaling it, which watching them eat is really unpleasant. I don't know what you're talking about. I was looking away. <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> I knew you were, baby. And so Billy goes to sleep, 
And when he wakes up... Carrie? (laughs) Carrie! (laughs) He is horrified. Yeah, we all are. (laughs) To discover that the Mogwais have escaped the steamer trunk they were being kept in. And have now... (laughs) Ross has his head in his hands. (laughs) They have now made cocoons across the floor of the attic. This is some xenomorph alien James Cameron looking shit. They look so foul. They're scaly, sticky, hairy, egg looking things. And they're damp. They're wet. (laughs) And they look like they've created a web of snot to connect all of them. Do you think they could communicate inside the cocoon? Shut up! <laughs> you don't want to think about this it? This is already gross enough! And Mom, who was way too calm about the situation, everyone <laughs> is! <laughs> She's like, well, did you feed him after midnight? And he says, I checked the clock. It wasn't midnight. And he goes over to his alarm clock, which he realized has stopped working because one of the gremlins, I'm sure it was Stripe, chewed through the power cord. Yeah, he definitely fucking fed them after midnight, guys, or else we wouldn't have cocoons! (laughs) No, 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 wait a minute. I made sure. Mom? What's going on here? And, you know, that's exactly how Mr. Hansen describes it, because... His mogwai also got its hands on some post-midnight food. And it filled the cage with cocoon! He's having to cut the cage away from it. Carrie, my skin is crawling! (laughs) He's like, it's like a butterfly. It's undergoing metamorphosis. It's a mammal, goddammit! It's gotta be right, it's got hair! And all I'm saying is, it's metanophosis, for real. You're not funny. (laughs) (laughs) Metanophosis. Yeah, I get it. Merry Christmas and all that shit, but like this is about as far from Christ as one can get. (laughs) Great callback. I love it. Yeah, like... (laughs) It's now Christmas Eve. Rand is away at an inventor's convention. How convenient! But he is calling home, and what I love about this scene is we're seeing the other inventors in the background of this convention. Two things are really funny here. We have Robbie the Robot from uh, Forbidden Planet, who actually showed up in Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, I remember. And the other thing... Joe Dante. <laughs> yeah, the other thing that kills me is that the H.G. Wells time machine is over his left shoulder. And, like, it cuts back to Mom at home talking to him on the phone, and by the time we cut back to the convention, the time machine has disappeared and left the inventor behind. That's so funny. It is. <laughs> you know what else was in Area 52 in Looney Tunes Back in Action? What? Mogwai. Really? Did you remember there was Mogwai? Oh, I forgot! Yeah, it's this is all Warner Brothers, so... <laughs> and Joe Dante. Yeah. Billy's at work, and the eggs are starting to hatch. Fuck! (laughs) It's so gross! It's disquatting. Like, all those eggs are splitting open and getting, like, Cadbury egg creamy, and the way that... (laughs) Oh, Ross is leaving. I cannot believe you just said that. (laughs) He's leaving. I'm taking a lap. (laughs) He's... He's... Cadbury egg creamy? <laughs> oh, you're, you're right. You're fired. You're right. I was so wrong for that. Oh, my 
my god. It's already disgusting. I don't have to bring chocolate into it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. Please forgive me. <laughs> Continue, please. Poor little Gizmo is cowering in fear inside that motorcycle helmet. Well, there are two emotions here. One is complete terror, and the second is guilt. Yeah. I mean, I know he didn't mean for it to happen, but he's like, oh, no, this is happening. He knows what's happening. He doesn't know how to communicate it very well because he's baby. And he also (laughs) created all of these things. No, 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 no. The humans created these things by getting him wet. And, like... Hanson calls Billy at the bank because, of course, his mogwai is also hatching and wants him to come and see it. And while he's waiting on Billy, more fabulous product placement, he's gone to get a Snickers bar to bribe this gremlin into compliance with him. He's like, come on out. I know you want a bit of the Snickers bar. You're not you when you're hungry. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know how right he is about that. And in very horror movie fashion, the black character is the first to get it. Oh, man. Yeah. He's sticking his arm underneath the desk, and it begins chewing on his arm. You try some of this now. I know you've got to be hungry, Hmm? Hey. Yeah, now. Don't you feel better? (laughs) And Billy finds Hanson dead under the desk. And the Mogwai is still in the room. Mm -mm. And it's not cute anymore. No. We just see that scaly arm smacking Billy's hand away uh, from the phone. Mogwai! <laughs> uh, why did you have to feed him after midnight, Billy? We still haven't gotten a good look at this thing, and I'm already icked. Back at home, the five gremlins are playing darts with little Gizmo's body tacked to the dartboard. The way he's shaking. <laughs> oh. I love him. And they throw him down the laundry chute. Aww. It's so upsetting. I don't get it. Are they his children? Are they his siblings? Like, I don't get how this works. <laughs> what is a clone? Like, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. And mom can hear the shenanigans happening in the attic. I'm sorry. The fact that she's called no one. I know. In reference to the cocoons upstairs. (laughs) She goes up there armed with this long knife only to find empty cocoons just smoking, no gremlins. Carrie, why did the light, why did light shine out of them when they hatched? Guys, all I can think is that I mean I haven't I can't remember the last time I saw another film in this franchise, but they gotta be aliens, right? Bioluminescence. Like I don't know, but Billy calls to warn her, and the gremlins cut the phone line. Uh... Yes, Billy, are you okay? Where are you? Mom, they hatched. Get out of the house. Mom? Mom? Billy, we're... Not 
do you hear what I hear suddenly playing downstairs? Um, that's fucked up. Uh, that song, I know it's a Christmas song, but that song is so creepy. Yeah, it's eerie. Do it's... you hear what I hear? Ah! Yeah, I know, I know. She creeps downstairs. Best sequence in the film, in my opinion. I love this sequence. <laughs> she shuts the record player off, which I would have left it on for some sound cover, but... It's the way she turns around... Just in time to catch the glass that's being thrown at her. Oh my god. And it smashes against the wall. She does not see where it comes from. And she tiptoes to the kitchen. And this is where we get our first good look at the gremlin, right? Uh Uh-huh. They've lost all their fur. Their ears are gigantic, like a bat. And they have these scaly wrinkly bodies with, like, only three little talons on each hand. Yeah, they look very demon-esque. She sees that thing climb into the mixer to lick the bowl from the cookie she's been making, (laughs) and she just reaches over while it's head first in the bowl, and it starts a-going and spewing green blood everywhere. Yeah, no, it's done. It's it's over. So Mom versus the Gremlins has begun. And again, this sequence is fabulous. I can't even imagine all of the stagecraft that goes into, one, choreographing these stunts, but she's also acting against puppets. Yeah, no, it is a special... It is a special performance quality you have to bring (laughs) to act with puppets. Surprise, there's one in the corner on the counter. She has to stab that one to death. And then one pops out of a cabinet, and she throws it in the microwave and turns it on. That... Uh, And it explodes in the microwave. (laughs) And then there were two. She's dispatching these gremlins sort of quick, which is the first indicator that there's definitely time for this to get infinitely worse. And the fourth one like an ill-behaved cat, is hiding (laughs) in the Christmas tree. Yeah. (laughs) And it pushes the whole tree over on her just as Billy is finally getting home. And Billy picks up a mounted sword off the wall and cuts it off of her and yeets that thing into the fireplace. (laughs) Mom, are you all right? It's burning head in the fireplace. And then, who gets away, Carrie? It's Stripe. Yeah. Stripe is the only one left, and he makes a quick escape through the front window before they can get to him. Stripe's energy with the mohawk, I feel like he's definitely got a ciggy butt hanging out of his mouth, and, you know, (laughs) one earring in, one big earring, and maybe he's got a leather jacket (laughs) and a motorcycle revving outside. You know, he's just a bad gremlin, you know? (laughs) Chaotic evil energy. Yeah. Billy finds Gizmo, poor little Gizmo, at the bottom of the laundry chute. And (laughs) I love him. (laughs) Throws him in a backpack and starts going after Stripe, following his creepy little footprints in the snow. One my favorite Gizmo line is the bag is still open when he takes him outside. Uh-huh. And Gizmo can see the little footprints in the snow. Uh-huh. And you can hear Gizmo go, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Protect Gizmo at all costs. I love him. Oh my God. Billy tracks Stripe 
all the way to the local YMCA. Sorry. Young men, please don't go in there, please. Say, young men. If you've never seen this movie, this is the point where you start shitting your pants because what are YMCA's famous for having? Gay cappuccinos. No. Otherwise known as swimming pools. Stop. That's disgusting. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the Young Mogwai Christian Association. No. Oh my God. <laughs> sure enough, Billy goes into the pool area and Stripe pops out of this panel on the wall and goes straight into the pool. And I'm like, no. No, no, no. It's not good, guys. Watching that puppet sink to the bottom of the pool with its nose pinched is and, so fun. And then watching the whole pool light up and start to bubble. And smoke. And, and boil. And turn green. <laughs> and Billy grabs Gizmo and gets the hell out of Dodge, but I wrote in all caps, here's my thing. How would they ever stop reproducing? Each one that pops out is already going to be in the water. How is this not, you know, cloning infinitum for like the rest of forever? It's like a, it's like a queen termite. Yeah? Sorry. I, <laughs> you were not prepared for that reference. Queen, Do you know that queen termites live for 25 years? What? And they give birth every three seconds for 25 years. Oh my God. Uh, there is a queen termite who is similar in age to me alive right now. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> so... The police do not believe Billy initially, which is just as well, because they're already kind of loaded. I think they thought that nothing else was going to go on in this one-horse town over Christmas Eve. Why do we pay them? Why, why, why do we pay them to do anything? All they do is get drunk on our time. Stop. I, ah. <laughs> I know. That deputy is definitely Mike from Breaking Bad, by the way, so shout out to Mike. <laughs> but Billy finally gets them to, you know, turn down the lights, and he takes Gizmo out of the bag, and they're like, well, I'll be damned. But guess what? Still not enough. <laughs> Still not enough evidence for them to give a fuck. Until the emergency calls start coming in, because the gremlins have started wreaking havoc. Okay, no, 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 no. The stop motion shot of them all skittering out of the darkness. I love that shot. Isn't that great? Like, like that's just, that was, oh. I'm they're busy. almost cute. I know. Even though they're completely not. <laughs> Remember Murray the xenophobe? Yes. They start doing stunts, grabbing onto his TV antenna and spinning it around, messing up the signal. And he goes out to check. And he hears noise in his garage. And as his um, American Kentucky Harvester bulldozer <laughs> bursts through his garage door, I love the Gremlins theme. Ah! 
And guys, these gremlins, there's like four of them driving the bulldozer. <laughs> like one steering, one pushing the pedal. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they, drive, they drive him back into his own home, bulldoze his front door down, and bulldoze those two xenophobes into a corner. <laughs> Squish him and his long-suffering wife. Yeah. I'm sure that woman's had it. <laughs> And they're messing with the mail, screwing with the traffic lights. It's giving monkeys in Jumanji. You know, it's funny you say that because there was an early stage of development where they were going to have monkeys play the gremlins, which you know oh. you know that PETA would have put a stop to that instantly. A- absolutely. And so, But like the, the monkeys did not react well to wearing the gremlin apparel, so that was tanked pretty early on. <laughs> and the only thing I do like the gremlins for is their detour to Mrs. Deagle's house. Oh, thank God, some public service from these aliens. <laughs> this woman, it, it, she, she's got, oh, what do you call it? A stair chair? <laughs> that's, if that's not what it's called, it's uh, it's criminal. Like, yeah, no, the, the stair that people who can't climb stairs, they get in the motorized chair and it carries them up and down. She's got obviously a very old, ornate house and it's this spiral staircase and she's coming down the in the stair chair and she's got one of her kitties in her lap. She's got five cats, Ross, and they're all named after different denominations of currency. Yeah, dollar bill. Copic. Ruble, peso, drachma. What a fucking... I... <laughs> oh no, she's about to get hers. She's just... <laughs> she looks bad. She's got her hair off. <laughs> her bad wig off. And she gets to the bottom of the stairs. And the gremlins are at the door posing as Christmas carolers. They're so funny for that. <laughs> They've not been here for an hour. <laughs> and they already know how to fuck with society like that. They have props. They do. Where did the Christmas music come from? I know, they probably stole it from and the they, store. And the little hats and earmuffs. And they, they know how to sing it. And like she screams, she shuts her door. And unbeknownst to her, there's already gremlins in the house. And she's getting in the chair like, they've come for me. Like, I don't know what she means like by that. I don't know if she means the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future or what. But yeah, she, yeah, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When she says, they finally come for me. What is she fucking talking about? <laughs> but she gets in that stair chair. One of the best deaths in film. <laughs> One of the gremlins has tampered with the with the stair chair, and she hits that button and starts a zooming up that spiral staircase, and it catapults her out the second story window. I have perfect. No notes. D E D. 
dead. When the sheriff and deputy Breaking Bad are rolling up and she is just dead backwards in that chair. And like the, the, there's this other gremlin tormenting her neighbor on the front lawn and they're just watching in horror. <laughs> yeah, isn't it the Santa guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like beating up the guy in the Santa suit and they're just sitting in their car <laughs> watching these gremlins kill him. Not intervening. <laughs> but you know what? They get theirs because the gremlins cut their brake line. Oh boy. <laughs> After which they immediately crash. And like, oh, I wrote here, they have some sophisticated knowledge for creatures that have only been alive for a week or so. I'm sorry, Carrie. These these creatures have been alive for an hour. <laughs> yeah, the like, ones that have been alive for a week are all dead. You're right about that. Except for Stripe. You're what? right about that. So you're yeah. Where where does all that instantaneous knowledge come from? I guess it's alien magic. I don't know. Or what if it's a hive mind? Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh. Let's not think about that. Yeah, let's not refer. Let's please not remember the <laughs> webs of snot connecting the. <laughs> it's okay, bud. It's okay. Ugh. They can't hurt you. So the gremlins have also taken over Dory's bar, where Kate is by herself. No, this is the best part because. <laughs> Not only are the gremlins um, imitating bar rats, <laughs> the poker game? Yes! <laughs> they're smoking, Carrie. Yeah, they're, they're smoking cigarettes and drinking beer. <laughs> and Kate is bartending and for them. Kate is serving them. <laughs> under threat of being mauled. This is terrorism. She's like giving them popcorn. <laughs> they're swinging from the overhead lampshades. <laughs> One of them is playing a Star Wars arcade game. That's so funny. <laughs> And Kate figures out that they don't like bright lights. She just starts taking pictures of them to capture, to memorialize the occasion. We'll never forget this night at Dory's. <laughs> no, like she just, she went, goes to light one of their cigarettes and like they flinch yeah. at the bright light. She just starts using this Polaroid to flash her way out of the bar just in time for Billy to show up. And they hoof it on foot with Gizmo to a store that the gremlins have already destroyed. And Kate's like, well, this is just great. Another reason I have to hate Christmas. Is this the fucked up part? This is the fucked up part. Okay. This is the part. As if, the, if, if everything else hasn't been fucked up enough. But this is the part that like Joe Dante had to fight to stay in the script because people were not sure about the tone. Like, this is supposed to be funny. Why is this in here? And I I mean, I prefer that it's here, but I also hate it because this is tough. I remember hearing this story for the first time as a young kid and thinking, wow, that's messed up. Sorry about that. Kate starts telling Billy that the Christmas when she was nine years old, her father disappeared. She and her mother expected him home from work on Christmas Eve, and he never showed up. And Christmas comes and goes. They report him missing. The police begin a search. New Year's comes and goes. And finally, one day, because the house is so cold, Kate goes to light a fire in the fireplace, and that's when she notices the smell. Firemen came and broke through the chimney top, and me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird, and instead they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. 
He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. You know what, guys? Pause it. <laughs> Turn us off for a second. Take oh. a moment. Oh, my God. Uh, I can't even wrap my head. I'm so... That's a... Uh, ah. Uh, uh, hope no one brought their children to see this, even though it was supposed to be a, quote, family film. Not only are you learning there's no Santa, but then you're hit with that traumatic hoopla. That is a true crime documentary. Yeah. I don't know what the crime would be, but that, <laughs> you know, like, that's... Ugh. Oh. And so they leave the store, and the streets are empty. No running, no screaming, no noise, no chaos. Because the gremlins know that it's going to be light soon. And Billy's like, they're probably all hiding out somewhere dark. <laughs> this is such kicking and streaming energy. <laughs> because, of course, the gremlins are in the movie theater. <laughs> They've already destroyed the snack bar. And now they are in a showing of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Hi-ho, hi-ho, <laughs> it's off to work we go. I was wondering as I was watching how hard it was to get Disney's permission for this, but then I remembered this is 1984. And Disney had all but fallen into obscurity by this point, and they were probably just grateful to have a clip from one of their movies seen in a movie theater at that point. Ah, the 80s, (laughs) where Disney never was. Stop. I always giggle when they start dancing and singing along. (laughs) Billy and Kate at the window. What are they doing? We're watching Snow White. And they love it. They're getting cultured, like (laughs) they're watching Snow White, and they love it. Billy's solution is to go down to the boiler room and bust a gasket so that the theater will fill up with gas. And, like, he literally lights a rag fuse and prays to God that they'll have time to get out before the whole place blows like Krakatoa. And it does. The explosion is impressive Uh from uh a pyrotechnic standpoint. And Stripe is the only remaining gremlin after the theater blows up because he was across the street stealing candy from the department store. (laughs) (laughs) What a lucky little bastard. I know. And so they go after Stripe into the department store. And I love Billy pointing Stripe out to Kate. He's like, that's Stripe. He's their leader. If he gets to water, it'll start all over again. And I swear to God, Gizmo makes this noise from inside the backpack that sounds a lot like, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, listen to it. That's Stripe. He's the leader. If he gets to water, it'll start all over again. (laughs) 
Oh my God. Billy charges Kate with taking Gizmo and trying to find some lights while he, armed with a baseball bat, goes in search of Stripe. And like he's moving through electronics and Stripe is actually appearing on the television screen. <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Stripe. <laughs> he's trolling this teenager. And while in sports and rec, Billy gets <laughs> Billy gets assaulted with a pitching machine. Oh god. A crossbow. That tiny little crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention the chainsaw. Stripe. How did he even get that thing started? I don't know. <laughs> about to cut Billy in half when Kate finally opens the wall panel in the control booth and starts flipping every single switch and all of the fluorescent lights come on in the store and Stripe reels back. I love the image of the chainsaw vibrating across the floor yeah, and yeah. carrying him away. <laughs> and like he's looking for a place to hide and that's when he spots it. Unfortunately, while Kate was in the control booth, she accidentally flipped on the functioning fountain in the lawn and garden department. And now we have a new problem. Oh my god. I also, since since you love Gizmo so much, I will mention that while all this is happening, uh. Gizmo has spotted the shades on the ceiling of the lawn and garden department <laughs> that let the sunshine in. And he is now in a pink remote control convertible, <laughs> zooming around, <laughs> trying to figure out how to get up there. His first car. His first car. The resale value was insane. <laughs> has finally arrived back into town from his convention, has obviously seen the mess at home, reconnected with his wife, and is now out looking for Billy in the car with Barney the dog. And they pull by that store, and Barney jumps out the window and goes right in through the busted storefront, going to look for his master. And Barney, like, comes upon Gizmo in the car. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's like, beep, beep, let's go. <laughs> I read that Barney, like, I don't know how they could have possibly known this, but Barney was actually icked by the gizmo puppets. Thought they were real. Aww. <laughs> Aww. That poor dog. Poor mushroom. Billy creeps into the lawn and garden department and finds Stripe armed with a pistol. He has a gun! <laughs> Standing on the edge of that fountain. Like, why hasn't he already jumped in? It's literally just to troll Billy. He puts a fingy in that fountain <laughs> and he starts to bubble and change. And oh no, here we go again. Gizmo, for the win, Gizmo literally drives that remote control car, ramps up a snow shovel, and lands in a flower bed right next to the pull cord that operates the shades on the ceiling, and he pulls them, 
And oh, the body horror starts. Because we have not gotten a lot of uh, transformations up close. No, Ross is icked. Ross is incredibly icked. Watching Stripe die is traumatizing. Like he's bubbling and peeling and making horrible noises. Not since Fright Night have I actually gagged watching something deteriorate like that. Like, it, he falls into the fountain, and you think it's over for a second. Like, the fountain's lighting up green and red, and, and, like, the water is still for a second. And Billy's peeking over the edge of the fountain, and its skeleton pops out of the fountain like toast! Dante. Joe. Joe. <laughs> what the fuck was that, Joe? Uh, I'm not going to be able to eat soup for a while. Oh, God. Why, why did you say that? <laughs> it's winter. I know. I'm living on soup. I'm sorry. How could you? <laughs> Don't quit on me again. We're almost done. Was this your idea? It was. Did my you idea. make this suggestion? I did. For gremlins? Okay. <laughs> Just so we know who to blame. So everything's over. The only Mogwai left is Gizmo, and Gizmo's a good soul. I love him. Yes. (laughs) Have we not established that? And the family's sitting at home, nursing their wounds. Not in jail. Not in jail. No one's in jail. (laughs) You know this is all going to get chalked up to a hoax. Remember in uh, The Goonies, when they make reference to it, they think that Chonk is like making up stories. Like You called him Chonk. I love that. (laughs) When the sheriff is like, oh, like that story you told one time about the creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. Yes! Yes. I love that. The way Steven Spielberg cannot stop himself from referencing his own universe. The the Spielverse. Yeah, the Spielverse. The Spielbergverse. And just out of nowhere, Mr. Wing shows up. Here's my thing. Did Rand, like, contact him and say, come to Kingston, USA? No, I think somehow Wing tracked him down. Aw, he <laughs> loves Gizmo. No, I, don't, I think it's less about loving Gizmo and more about getting that mogwai out of these foolish white people's hands. I would like to believe that Mr. Wing likes Gizmo. I know Mr. Wing likes Gizmo. We're not, we're not debating that. And he basically says, I told you idiots, mogwai is too big a responsibility. Yeah. But you didn't listen. And you see what happens. I didn't mean it. You do with Mokwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. You are not ready. Wing is right. (laughs) Grandpa is 100% right. He was right at the beginning of the movie, and he's right now. Like, I... Beware the white people wanting to make money. (laughs) These white men are dangerous. Dangerous, yes. And, like, he's taking Gizmo away, and Billy's upset. And just right before Wing puts his hand on the doorknob, Gizmo knocks on the lid of the box. (laughs) Like, wait, not yet. I want to say goodbye. 
Perhaps someday you may be ready. Until then, Mokwai will be waiting. He also says bye, woof woof. He says bye to Barney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's breaking my heart. And the little tune. <laughs> uh, here's my thing. What? There's snow everywhere. Uh-huh. Why did they not continue to multiply walking around in the snow? You know what? This is not the time to... It's frozen water! I'm aware. (laughs) I'm aware. I mean... (laughs) Come on! I don't know from Mogwai physics. That lame narration starts again. So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz, or your washing machine blows up, or your video recorder conks out, before you call the repairman... Turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds, because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. The next time your air conditioner's on the fritz, or you can't start your car, it's a foreigner. (laughs) No! That is the xenophobic message of gremlins, is it not? No, I I think, I don't know. I really don't know what they were going for there. Like, I guess you could look at it that way, especially since there's so much narrative about how foreign-made things are constantly malfunctioning for some reason. It's to get us to buy more foreign products. Or is it to get us to buy American? That's my thing. But by contrast, Rand's an inventor. His shit never works. This is true. (laughs) This is very true. That's the definition of American made, and his shit is always ruining their lives. Anytime somebody's like, we need to buy American, which I also agree with, but like, there's like, all right, fine, pay $20 for an apple. And I'm like, why? Like, (laughs) I don't like the food. I don't understand why it's cheaper to outsource labor to other nations. Yeah. I don't understand why it isn't cheaper to produce everything we need in America. I mean, I understand why, but like, I don't understand. Like, it I feel like it takes much more resources and money to set up production in another country where you can avoid the tax loop, like, you know, you can avoid the taxes. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It could be a number of things. That's a whole economy lesson. It's a, it's something to do with trade. Yeah, and we're not here to talk about the economy, are we? <laughs> we're here to talk about gross, cute space aliens. Like, and yet you managed to bring capitalism up as the enemy anyway. It is the enemy! <laughs> I know, sweetheart. It's money! I know, sweetheart. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, guys. I know that was tough on Ross. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) It was. I love him. I know. (laughs) At least you had Gizmo soothing your soul throughout. Gizmo. But, like, I'm glad we did it because I've been wanting to cover that movie forever. It's just, it's one of those movies I look back on. And I really can't believe that it's something I saw so young. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. How did our parents not think, and by parents I mean dad. Yeah, yeah, dad was in charge of the entertainment. How did he not think we were going to have nightmares for weeks? I mean, I don't remember it traumatizing me. I remember being super uncomfortable, but like... Yeah, no, it didn't traumatize me outside of the Santa Claus story. It scared me the way Fright Night scared me. Oh, okay. But not the way Fright Night turned me off. 
on. Okay. Sorry. Like, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. So I hope you enjoyed that because we got the gross one out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But next week we're coming at you with a banger classic, aren't we? Oh, boy. <laughs> what? No. I know it's not that scary, but like... Nor is it that Christmassy. Shut up. I, <laughs> I need this to be explained to me. <laughs> Die Hard is more of a Christmas movie than this one is. Hey. <laughs> Before he came down, it never snowed. Okay. <laughs> All right. And after he came down, it did. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, is that my explanation? <laughs> so without further ado. Next week, folks, we're going to be covering Tim Burton's 1990 narrative about the origin of snow. <laughs> Edward Scissorhands. Uh, I just, I haven't seen this movie in a while. It's, I love Edward Scissorhands. It makes you feel weird. Yeah, I, I. Oh, Edward. No. I know, I know. I do remember that aspect of it. It's awful. I haven't seen it in a while, so maybe it's Christmasier than I remember. I love Diane Weist. <laughs> As the Avon lady? She's so sweet and well-meaning. I know. Uh, Look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. And don't forget to check out the Patreon. Please, 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 please. We want to know what you guys think. Tell a friend. It's Lord of the Rings, guys. I mean, not to mention all of the other content you get as soon as you sign up. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, Ross. Yeah, yeah, your imagery was foul. Cadbury cream. Get bent. Happy Christmas.